0: Praise the Lord, church. So happy to be here in the capital of Victoria or outside Victoria. But as Brother Shu said, I am from Iowa. I'm actually originally from the wonderful state of Wisconsin. And so I'm the only one on this trip from AYC that does not have an accent here today. (laughs) So I don't have any great accent for you all to hear today. But I do have a word for you all to hear today. But I would first love to give honor to Brother Shu and Sister Shu. Thank you so much for having us and hosting us and allowing us to be here today. This is a great work which is being done in this city. I love... Working in churches like this. this is an incredible honor to be here today. And so thank you to all of you for your worship and having us here today. If you would mind standing with me today for the reading of the word, we're gonna turn in our Bibles to the book of Esther, chapter five, verse one. And when you're there, just give a quick amen. amen. All right. Well, it sounds like you're all you all have quick turners to Esther 5. So I'm gonna go ahead and start reading. Esther 5, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court, everyone say the inner court, court. of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. Now if you want to, you can flip with me to Mark 14, verse 3. You don't have to, but I'm going to go ahead and read. And it says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box. Everyone say, break the box. "Break the box," and poured it on his head. Sometimes we, as individuals, me, Ryan Albertson, Chance, Rachel, we all have this indiv- We have this tendency to get into this comfortable place. We like to refer to it as the comfort zone, and. We like to hold on to everything. We like to hold on to these things that we find valuable. And we put that into this little metaphorical box that we hold on to, where we hold everything that's precious to us. This morning, I'd like to encourage each and every one of the individual here to step out of your comfort zone and break that box that you may be holding that God's asking you to break. And so with that said, I'd like to preach a message entitled Breaking My Box in the King's Court. So before we're seated, if you would just mind praying with me, we're going to pray for the word that God would just have his way. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that you'd minister in this place today, that you would touch hearts, that you would touch minds. Lord, I am not strong enough, I am not quick enough, I am not adequate enough to deliver your word, but you are. And so I pray, God, you'd have your way, and that your word would be spoken and not mine. Lord, I would decrease, but you would increase. And I just pray that you bless each and every one of the individuals in this church today. In Jesus' name, have your way. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. As I prepared this message, I looked at these two stories, and I'm like, oh my, it's like, dear God, what do these two stories have in common? How can I bring these together? And the Lord showed me. He's like, Ryan, there's two two situations. There's two similarities that you can draw out of the stories. One, as that these two women were both placed in a very uncomfortable situation. One having a situation where she had to fight through a crowd of people, and one where she almost lost her life. And they could have turned back. And also they both gave up something that was precious to them, something that was very valuable. The woman in Mark 14 emptied her box of all her precious possessions. I've heard that what was in the box, the alabaster box, back then was about a year's worth of wages for her. So imagine giving up a year's worth of wages to the Lord. But she just didn't give a little. She just didn't open the lid of that alabaster box and pour out a little bit and just say, okay, I'm just going to save this for me so I can sell the rest and I can have what's left over and I can make some profit on this. But she's like, you know what? no. I'm going to give everything I have, everything that I consider valuable, everything that my life counts on, something that can support me, something that could help me advance financially. She said, no, I'm going to break this at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going, I'm going to give everything I have. She didn't hold anything back. And sometimes we as individuals, we have that tendency to hold a little bit back from God. We say, God, well, I'll give you this part of my ministry but I want to keep this part. I'm not comfortable giving up this part of my ministry because I'm, I'm happy here. I'm comfortable here, and I don't want to leave here. But because this woman in Mark 14 didn't settle for just giving a portion of what she had, Jesus said that this would be told as a memorial to her. Think of it. A woman with her reputation as a vile sinner, as a very wicked woman, was going to have a memorial told about her and not because of who she was, but because of what she did, because of the sacrifice she made. When you sacrifice for the kingdom of God, good things would happen. It may not happen right away, but you will see it happen. It will come to pass. When you give up something for the kingdom of God, you will be honored. Your sacrifice will be blessed. There will be a jewel in your crown for the sacrifice that you make for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Now, with Esther, her background's a little different. She's not As the vile sinner, we don't see her as that. But she gave just as much. Now, when I read this story in Esther, where Esther enters the king's throne room, I always like to, my dad does this too, he uses his imagination. And he visualizes it. And so what I visualize is that Esther walks up to the door, and there's these big, ornate doors. And she stands there for a minute, and she ponders, Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do this? I could just leave right now. Nobody has to know I was here. Nobody has to even know I was about to knock on these doors. But she makes the decision. And she says, you know what? Nope, I'm going to do it. And with all her might, she flings open these doors. And as she flings open these doors, there's a hush that falls upon the throne room. As all eyes turn to look at her. And as all eyes turn to look at her, she starts to walk in middle of the room, and all of a sudden, there's just people that may come up to whisper be like, no, turn back now. Turn back now. It's not worth it. You could lose your life. You, could, you don't have to do this. You turn back now. It's going to be okay. Come on. Come on. I'll help you. I'll help you. Let's go. Let's get out of here. But no, Esther refuses their help, and she walks straight up to the throne and presents herself to the king. Now, as I said, she could have people telling her to turn back to save herself, that what she was about to do was not not worth it. But because she pressed on, because she didn't focus on herself, because she saw the need that was present for others, she found favor with the king. She was in turn able to help save a whole entire race of people. Now, this wasn't a 27-year-old woman. If I remember right, Esther was about 14, 15 years old. A 14, 15-year-old girl was willing to lay her life on the line, to save an entire race of people. Now think about how many times do we walk out into our workplaces, some of us into our schools, and we think we walk through these hallways, we walk through those offices, we walk through doors, and there's people saying, say, it's not worth it to represent this God that you serve. It's not worth it to hold on to this truth. You're not going to be able to live life the way you want. But if you're willing to sacrifice and say, you know what, God, it may cost me a little bit. It may cost me a little bit of my reputation, but I will serve you and I will honor you everywhere I go. When I walk through my school, when I walk into my workplace, when I walk on these streets, I will honor you. I will not hide you. I will not give up any. I will give up anything that you ask me to give up. I will not be ashamed of who you are and what you ask me to do. Both of these individuals, both of these ladies made an incredible, incredible sacrifice. But they realized that with these sacrifices, it may be a little bit uncomfortable. And so I ask you, some, how is it that sometimes we have trouble making a sacrifice of stepping out and inviting a friend, a coworker, or a family member to church? Or when you're in the grocery store or the gas station, and the Lord, you just hear that little voice saying, go pray for that person. And when you say, God, that's just me, how how is it that we get uncomfortable, we don't get uncomfortable, we say, God, I'll go pray for that person. I'll step out of my comfort zone, and I'll listen to your voice, and I will do this. Because I've seen people that after three years, I go to Bible college, I've seen a friend of mine who after three years decided that everything that God told him was a lie. And said, God, that was all in my head, those are my thoughts. He wasn't willing to get a little bit uncomfortable. We each sometimes get locked into our little comfort zone, and we say, where well, I'm good enough, where I'm at is, that's good enough, right? I'm satisfied here. I mean, I'm coming to church. You know, I pay my tithes. I mean, I'm faithful. I come to pre-service prayer. I read my Bible. Well, if you want your ministry to grow, then you're okay, cannot be okay good good cannot be good enough ministry is about making sacrifices it's about getting out of our comfort zone we may not we may have to get a little bit uncomfortable i use this reference before in that you it's like when you find that one spot in the bed where you get so so comfortable and you're laying there and you just have a rough night trying to get to sleep and then you just find that one spot and it's like oh this is great. I don't ever want to get up. But then all of a sudden, we all have that one little noise. It goes beep, beep, beep. And it's like, ugh. And you just don't want to move from that one comfortable position. I understand. That's a struggle for me every morning. I set three alarms, and I don't get up till the third one. And so I understand I don't like to get uncomfortable either, but that's what ministry is about. It's getting out of that comfortable place. It's sometimes about making. It's about going through some pain, going through some trials and some tribulations. About six years ago, my I was on my way home from school, and my mother had some tests. And well, she went in for one set, and then they asked her to come back. And so, after the second set of tests, I was riding home and. I asked her, I'm like, mom, how'd your how'd your tests go today? And she looked back at me, and I'll never forget this moment. She looked back at me and she said, Ryan, I have cancer. And I didn't know how to respond because for years my family and I would pray for people that had cancer. And to have cancer affect my family now, I had no idea how to respond to that. But my mother, she told me she cried for a little bit but then she just moved on. My mother is a very powerful woman of prayer. And when she prays, she touches heaven and God's answer, God answers her prayers. I have no doubt. And so when she heard this news, she cried for a little bit, but then she stood up. And she said, you know what? I have a life to live and I have a work to do for God and I ain't going to let this bother me. And so as she moved forward one night, she got up to use the washroom and She was walking. She heard this voice come to her and say, you will be healed. And so my dad, who is also a very powerful man of prayer, was praying, God, remove the tumor. God, I believe you can do a miracle. God, I believe it. I'm trusting you. You're going to heal her. This is going to be a story that can be told for your glory. And, you know, he's praying and praying, but the tumor was not removed. She did have to go into surgery to remove her tumor. And the miracle about that was they thought the tumor was, I think, about maybe the size of like a baseball, but it turned out her tumor was the size of about a softball or a grapefruit. And the miracle was that it did not spread to any other part of her body. It stayed in one spot. And so she had the surgery and they removed the tumor. But what ended up happening is some of the lymph nodes close by got affected by the tumor and so she had to go on to chemotherapy and neuropathy, and in that, she would have very bad reactions to the chemotherapy. It would cause her to be very, very sick. I, would, I remember some nights where I would come home from youth, and my parents wouldn't be there, and it's like, "Where is my mom and dad?" They were at the emergency room because my mother was doubled over in pain. My sister spent her 20th leave was her 20th or 21st birthday with my mother in the emergency room. I remember nights of me sitting and hearing my mom trying to throw up in the bathroom. My mom even told me, she's like, Ryan, there was nights I'd pray you'd go to sleep so you didn't have to hear what I had to go through. And so my mom went through all this sickness and all this pain. But as I said, my mother is a great woman of prayer. My dad's a great man of faith. And with all those praying behind us, this past May, it was six years since my mom has been chemo and cancer free. Praise God. But what I'm trying to get at with the story is she is now able to use this story. She is now able to use this situation to minister to others around her and she took it it took her all that heartache it took her that pain to have this ministry but now when someone has the same situation she's able to go to them and say i understand what you're going through i understand the pain i understand the sleepless nights i can i can help you i know a god that can heal you if someone's down in the skirt, she now can look them in the eye and say god can heal you and that's it just doesn't apply to sickness getting really uncomfortable, when you get go through depression and God brings you out of it, you're now able to minister to someone with depression. When you come through anxiety, you're now able to minister to someone who struggles with anxiety, someone who's fearful. You're able to minister to them. But sometimes it takes getting really, really uncomfortable in order to minister. We can't turn our backs on what God is calling us to do. We as the church need to have a boldness. My dad has told this to me before. He's like, so many times we just come and we ask for a spirit of boldness and there's nothing wrong with asking for a spirit of boldness. There's nothing wrong with that. He's like, sometimes we just, we're satisfied with the asking. But sometimes we just need to have the spirit of boldness. We just need to be bold. We just need to be willing to take that step of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I know it's going to look weird, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to pray for that person when I feel led to pray for that person. I'm going to minister. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to invite that person to the church. And I don't care how look it, weird it's going to look. I'm just going to be bold because God has called us for now. We may be satisfied with what we're doing, but God has so much more for us if we would just focus ahead and not behind, and get out of our comfort zones. Luke nine refers, says that a man who puts his hand to the plow, a man who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And so I like to think of it as we are driving along the road, and as you're driving, you look and you see something to the side, and it catches your eye. But you got to keep driving forward. So as you keep driving, you just you like it's so pretty, it's so ornate, and you just keep looking back, and you just keep looking back, and you just keep looking back. But what you don't realize is that you may think, oh, I'm not hurting anybody. Oh, yes, you are, because you're putting yourself in harm's way because you're not focused on what's ahead of you. You're focused on what's behind you. And also, you're putting those around you in danger because you're not focusing on what's ahead. You're not paying attention. All you can think about is what's behind you. And so spiritually... Think about this. When you're looking back on what's behind you, there's those in front of you that need help. Those, There are those around us who are crying out for help that are stuck in a place and saying, I need help. Someone reach me. Someone teach me. Someone preach to me. Someone help me. But if we keep looking back at our past, if we keep looking back and say, God, I want what's back there, there's people out here that are saying, please help me. We have to look this way. We have to look this way and not this way. What if every single home missionary would have said no? What if every Sunday school teacher, pastor, evangelist, they would have said no? We might not be sitting in this sanctuary today. God may be calling you to a different ministry. Don't be just satisfied with music, teaching. God, you may say, God, I'm back here. I like it back here. I'm comfortable back here. I'm good at what I do back here. But God's like, that's great. But I want you in a Sunday school room teaching kids my word. Or you may be a Sunday school teacher and you're like, God, this is what I'm good at. I, this is where I'm comfortable at. God's like, I want you on the platform. I want you on the worship team. Or you may be sitting in the pew and you say, God, I'm comfortable down here. But God's like, no, I want you up here. Or we sometimes may be like, God, I'm comfortable right here. But God's like, no, I want you out there. There's things for you to do out there. If you feel God calling you into a different area, let him take you there. Don't fight him. Because if you don't go, God will use someone else. And Esther 4.14, we always read the part, For thou art called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's a great, don't please don't, misunderstand me. That is a powerful part of that scripture. But we sometimes forget is that in the beginning of that first verse, Mordecai is talking to Esther and he says, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. What he's basically saying is that listen, listen, Esther, if you don't go and do this, if you don't go stand before the king, Fine. But God will find someone else who is willing to go do this. And so Brother Lee King has said, I want to be greedy for the things of God. When there's a chance to minister, I want it. When there's a chance to reach out to someone, I want it. I don't care how weird it looks. I don't care how uncomfortable it may make me. I want all the things that God can give me. Amen. Praise the Lord. If the church of today doesn't stand up and get out of our comfort zone, there will be no church of tomorrow a couple last year it was about a year ago in july i had the opportunity to go around with my school to a few youth camps in the united states and one of them was in minnesota and it was a youth camp and it was hot it was so hot like i know it was in fahrenheit because i'm american it was probably about 90 degrees fahrenheit every day And it was hot. And I was working in the kitchen all day doing dishes, and those were some long days. And so coming to the service at night, there was no air conditioning. Where, anywhere, there was no air conditioning. You just had to find some piece of paper, and you were going to fan yourself and keep yourself cool through the service. And so I remember, I can't remember what night it was, but I remember the service was a, you know, kick your shoes off, stomp on the devil type of service. And the preacher's preaching and he was preaching basically what I'm preaching about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. And so I went to the altar and I prayed, you know, I was praying for a little bit and it was, I'm going to be honest, it was kind of hard to pray because I was tired, I was hot, I was sick, I was hungry. It's like, God, I want to go to bed. I need to sleep for like 17 hours straight. I need like two gallons of water and I need a cheeseburger. I mean, maybe not in that order, but I just need these things. And, but God had a word for me. And so I'm sitting there and I pray and my friend comes over and he prays with me. And as he's praying, he gets done. And I think, oh God, those are some things I needed to work through. Okay, I'm done. You know, I think, you know, I got what I needed from God. And, all of a sudden, just God's like, nope, you're not done. I got a little bit more for you. It's like, oh, okay, okay, God. I mean, if you give me a cheeseburger, that'd be great. But what God had fed me even better. He showed me at this time, my parents were in the process of moving to Iowa. They were trying to sell their house and get down there as soon as they could. And I was worried about a lot of things. And God showed me, he basically told me, he's like, Ryan, you've been holding a box. And in that box, you've been holding on to fear, you've been holding on to doubt, worry, and complacency, and a host of other things. He said, you've become complacent in your ministry with where you're at in Wisconsin right now. You're fearful that I won't sell your parents' house. You're worrying that I won't take care of them. You're worrying that I won't provide for them when they get down there. He's like, but Ryan, if you will break that box that you're holding, if you will let go of all these things that you're holding on to, I will take you to new places. I will evolve your ministry. I will mold you into the man that you are supposed to be. I will shape your ministry. I will take care of your family. I will provide for them. I will provide housing. I will provide a church. And I will provide the congregation. But if you, this will happen if you break your box. And that was hard to hear. Because where I was at, I was really happy. And where, we're, where we were going, I had no idea what to expect. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And what I was holding on to, I was holding on to fear. I was holding on to doubt. And sometimes we... As individuals, we like to hold on to fear. We like to hold on to doubt. And we say, God, I don't know how to let go of this, but we serve a God that is bigger than anything. We serve a God that's bigger than any fear you may be facing, bigger than any sickness, bigger than anxiety, bigger than depression, bigger than doubt, bigger than whatever you're facing. Our God is greater and our God is stronger. Any sin that you think is too great, our God is greater. His blood is washed it white as snow. We don't need to be afraid of the places God is taking us, because wherever he takes us, it will eventually lead us to heaven. Last night, one of our chaperones, Brother Bates, was preaching, and he was preaching about what we need to shine in the darkness. And, oh, how do I say this? I It was a powerful service, and there was something that I got out of it last night, and God showed this to me and impress this upon my heart to tell you today. For a long time, I, I have been fearful of a lot of things. You may say, oh, you're up there preaching. You can't be fearful. You can't be nervous. Let me tell you, I get very nervous. And I worry. My sister even tells me, Ryan, you worry too much. And I become very fearful of things. And last night, God revealed to me, he's like, Ryan, why are you afraid? Why are you scared? Why are you nervous all the time? He's like, perfect love Casts out all fear, and he's like, Ryan, I love you. why are you afraid because my he's my love is perfect, my love endures all things, my love bears all things, my love doesn't puff itself up. His love is perfect and it casts out any fear that you have. His love is greater. His love, you don't have to be scared. And you may think, well, I'm scared to go to this new place. You don't have to be scared because God loves you and he has no intentions for you to be scared and he knows it may hurt and it may be a little bit uncomfortable. He loves you every step of the way. You can stand with me this morning. Magicians, if you're going to come, you may come at this time. We need to stop. Making excuses. You say, God, I'm, I'm not adequate enough. My past, it's, it's too checkered or spotted. I don't know what to do. God, I don't have the heritage. I just came to the church a few months ago, and my father's not a preacher. My family's not in church. I'm the only one serving God. How could you use me? Why would you want to use me? It may not be comfortable where we're going to, and some, my sister went overseas a couple years ago with her husband. And one of the things she taught me from that trip is, it's not easy going to that new place and learning this new culture. But she told me, Ryan, you have to learn to love the process. You have to learn to love going through these things. Because when gold is refined, when it's purified, it goes through the fire. It goes through a process of purification. And as I said, it may be uncomfortable going to that new place that God is taking you. But what you go through in the process is shaping you for your promise. And so today I ask if it's a sign of your faith, if you'd step out of your seat and try to come around this altar and say, God, I have been holding on to some things. If you would just raise your hand and say, God, I give you everything I have today. And God, I don't want to hold on to fear. I'm not going to hold on to doubt and depression. I'm not going to hold on to these things that I've been holding on to for so long, but I'm going to let them go, and I'm breaking this box I have. God, if you're calling me to go to a new place, if you're trying to take me somewhere new, I want you to take me there. God, it may cost me a little bit, but God, I am willing to give it up because you're asking me to. God, I know you're greater than any sickness that I have. And God, I know you're greater than any fear that may come my way. And God, I give it to you and I break it open. I pour this at your feet. God, what I have is yours. My ministry is yours. God, if you're calling me to be a Sunday school teacher, I will teach Sunday school. If you're calling me to preach, if you're calling me to teach, I will do so. If you're calling me to be a youth pastor, if you're calling me to evangelize, I will heed your call. If you're calling me to be a missionary, I will answer the call and I will go.